mind your business, drink your water, and don't worry about what other people are doing. That is, that's my philosophy, but it is hard work every day. That is Jessamine Stanley team, and you are listening to the Epic Table podcast. Confidence. Yes, it is a pretty epic phenomenon when it comes to a word, but also obviously means more than that. There's a lot of connection between our headspace, our mental efforts, physical performance, and confidence. You see it on the sporting fields, you see it in your own personal relationships, uh, you know, even for yourself when just around your own individuality. It is something that I think we should all strive to really drive to look after. And it's not coming easy. Uh, why are we talking about confidence? Well, Jessamine Stanley oozes it. It's not always been easy. You know, she is someone who doesn't fit the typical mold of a yoga instructor and has had to derive and create principles within herself that we can all be inspired by. So Jessamine's, you know, notably amazing what she does despite being not your typical yoga instructor because apparently being big and being black is not accepted typically as a yoga instructor despite the fact that she's written a number of awesome books, Yoke my yoga of self-acceptance is awesome. She's also the co-founder of The Underbelly, which is an inclusive digital platform providing yoga classes, which you guys should also check out. But I had a really epic conversation with Jessamine. Uh, she's just awesome. We got along great. And I think I personally found myself, um, you know, going beyond further exploration within myself as I talked to Jessamine. She's awesome and someone I feel I can really open up to. But when it comes to some of the principles that she talked about that I think you guys are all going to learn and really be inspired by, we all have our negative Nancy. Everyone does. And it's almost about accepting that, owning your negative Nancy, accepting the negative feelings about yourself and then going beyond that. You know, so people are going to be talking negatively about you at some stage or providing negative connotations and can build up in your headspace. For whatever reason, this is something that I feel we need to learn to handle and it constantly happens. So owning your negative Nancy, whether it be an external impulse or within yourself, is a really important technique to, to adapt and grow. Further to that, she obviously talks about the principle around no apologies particularly in the situation she is. She was sick and tired of trying to fit someone else's mold. So she got to the position was like, oh, I don't, I don't really want to apologize for being who I am and doing what I do. And I think we can take a lot from that confidence in what we do day to day. I just love the power she has developed and grown within herself to then you know, show everyone else pure because of what she stands for and who she represents. And I'm not talking about being black or being big. I'm talking about the individual within you to understand that you don't have to fit a mold. And just because you are someone doesn't mean you can't do something. And I've always driven for that for people around me. And Jessamine oozes that. So I'm excited for you guys to take a lot of confidence out of today's episode. I highly recommend reaching out to Jessamine after today's episode to, you know, I say thank you or talk about what you've learned and obviously do the same for us. 
And if you want to help out the Epic Tale podcast that you continue to do, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We're getting a few up there now. So you guys are absolute legends. Really appreciate it. Something else that we appreciate is the fact that a number of you were cooking up some chorizo and bolognese over the weekend because you picked up your goodies from the show. We know that because of the tracking number. Thank you very much. So if you want to continue to support the Charlie Street team, myself, uh, you can go to charliestreet.com. And when you go to purchase your chorizo or your bolognese, you can simply add in Dan15. I'll give you a little discount. What I'd really love to know is what you're cooking with this week. We had people make pasta bake over the weekend. There were some tacos and burritos on the grill, which is awesome. Uh, Please continue to share. You do get a recipe book sent with you if you uh, use that QR code on the pouch. So little uh, fun fact there, go to the pouch when you pick it up and scan the QR code and you've got yourself a ebook full of Charlie Street recipes. Again, you're supporting myself and my team, so I really appreciate you guys continuing to pick up this tasty goodness that you can cook in minutes is made entirely out of Whole Foods. I appreciate it. Jessamine Stanley, you are a legend and welcome to the Epic Table Podcast. Jessamine Stanley, welcome to the Epic Table Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. I'm happy to be here. I'm uh, I'm stoked to be a dude interviewing you. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to a what? What was, what was the other option? No, I'm so excited to be interviewed by a dude too. I'm not going to lie to you. You have so many awesome chicks interviewing you. And it's really epic. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go full dude on this one. So, um, huh? but no, I think you 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 have a very honestly amazing connection with just so many people, both male and female. And of course, non-binary as well. So we, I just want to uh, start by saying you are truly epic. Um, you know, mm-hmm. So you definitely qualify for an amazing guest on the Epic Table podcast. I am. I, I hope that I can live up to the standard that you're setting right now. <laughs> I'm going to just try to be myself as a standard. Oh, mate. Well, yeah, well, across, you do that across socials anyway. So uh, I think, you know, following what you do across all platforms, whether it be, you know, being on GMA, uh, talking about the wonderful books you do, obviously your yogi ways. Um, but also I think you just, your openness to, I think breaking stereotypes is what it's really, really all about for me. It's like, I don't know, like, yeah, I think someone, someone's, there's always a stereotype for things. And I think it's just uh, part of society to an extent, but you do such a wonderful job of breaking, breaking that mold. And so I think in today's discussion, paralleled with what you just naturally do, I'm excited to kind of talk through that specifically. And I'm, I'm personally like, I don't, yoga is something, yoga is something for me that's always been a struggle. I know you've talked about Mm. how you had that barrier that you eventually broke as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I think for me, I think that's a really exciting thing. Like, oh, like (laughs) you broke that barrier, (laughs) but also as, as yoga is, it's been summed up so many times. It's Mm. been said as, uh, previously in many podcasts that you've been a part of a white, was it a white, uh, chick, skinny kind of situation? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Break that mold. You're beautiful. You have this amazing, just ownership of so many things. And we've actually talked about, body image a lot on this podcast and it's pretty popular so mm. um i'm also very impressed how flexible you are by the way I just- <laughs> <laughs> so as, as a as a lovely curvy 
black, beautiful woman. It is just so cool to see you doing what you're doing across all platforms. And, you know, you, you even read it in your words, in your books, you know, Yoke's awesome. So I want to start this podcast after just making you have a, such a beautiful big head because of all the awesomeness I just discussed. <laughs> Literally, um, I'm yeah. like, damn, degrees in my ego. <laughs> yeah, you're good. You. Yeah, you, you earned it. You totally earned it. I want to start by just asking you, what what kind of moment and story for you have you kind of looked inside yourself after reflecting upon how you are not the average person and at what moment did you realize that, that you had the ability to change people's lives? So mm. in, in a nutshell- you are the opposite to the stereotype of something, an industry you're a part of. At what moment did you realize that you were like, you're different? You know, I have to tell you, honestly, Dan, like I have never really felt that I'm different. <laughs> this is, this is the catch 22. And this is the really the, the money shot. I think is that to me, I am literally representative of so many people who have not been seen in the mainstream. And it's not that we don't exist. It's just that we're not shown. And so when I think about sharing my yoga practice as a fat black queer person, I think like, I'm not even the first fat black queer person to put themselves out there like this. I'm just the one that uh, was there at the right time, I guess. And so I feel like I'm showing up for everyone who does not see themselves represented. And that to me is my motivating force is that if just by being myself, I make space for other people to be themselves, then that is a worthwhile endeavor. And you know, when I first started practicing yoga, like you were saying before, I really did not think that it had anything to do with like, you know, I I thought it was really just something that thin, white, rich women did. I didn't think it had anything to do with me. But I did, I was familiar with the work of Diane Bondi and Anna Guest Jelly and Amber Carnes. And they have really been out here like showing that Kirby people practice yoga too. And really, ultimately, that everybody should practice yoga, some form of yoga, whatever it's going to be for you. And yoga doesn't necessarily mean like practicing yoga postures or practicing meditation, even in a formal sense. It really just means yoga literally means union. It means to join together, to unite. So anytime that you're joining together the pieces of yourself that don't necessarily make sense, the, uh, finding the intersections within yourself. That is yoga. And that work is really something that all human beings should and ultimately do do regardless of what you look like or where you're from or how old you are, anything like that. So I never felt like, okay, I have to show up for other people. Ultimately, I've just been like, I have to show up for myself. You know, I've spent so much of my life thinking that I'm not good enough or that I don't deserve good things, that I don't deserve to exist so much. I talk about this a little bit in my first book, Everybody Yoga, that um, I had an experience where I realized that I'm constantly apologizing for existing, like literally saying, I'm sorry that I'm even here. And that kind of realization, that kind of work is something that like, it goes deeper than trying to project anything for any other human being. It's literally like, I need to deal with this for myself. And it's been so incredible to me 
the magnitude of the impact when you show up for yourself, how that can impact other people. And so really like that's where all of my teaching practice comes from. That's where my work comes from is this desire to just be really authentic and honest with myself and to show up fully to shine as brightly as possible. And then that opens the door for other people to do the same thing. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, I think that's why I really like what you do, mate, because I don't like yoga is something I typically don't like relate to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate the practice and I really like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't, I think it's actually a really cool thing to do. I just, for some reason, I haven't connected in the same way a lot of people have. And you, you've talked about how, when you finally made that connection, but what I love about you is I think you represent that there is no, a, there's not a specific way things have to be done. There is not, mm. um, you know, you, you don't have to be a certain, uh, individual um to for that to be you know actioned and i think that's why i'm really like having this podcast with you today i think you inspire so many people outside of the yoga industry alone to really just look inside themselves and go why Mm. why have i had this initial barrier to actioning or being a part of something just because it typically is not meant to apparently be for me like why is that the case so i think that's what really is um for me, why I'm excited for Epic Table listeners to kind of grasp from from your actionable steps that you've taken within an industry that uh, you know you're breaking the mold in. So I want to tap into what you mean by showing up for yourself. So what mm-hmm. what does that specifically mean, and and what action steps do you do? Oh my goodness! Thank you so much for asking. So this is the thing that like. I really feel like I have to come back to every single day and it can be summed up as no apologies, no apologies. Just do whatever the thing is, say whatever the thing is, even if it is a hard thing to say, even if it means offending someone, even if it means alienating someone or isolating myself, do just do it. Like, and that is something that, I think, I don't know if it's being, I don't know if it was being socialized as a woman. I don't know if it's being growing up black in the South. I don't know if, I don't know what, where it specifically stems from, but I have made such a habit of thinking that I need to fit into someone else's mold or um, find a way to be as palatable as possible, as um, acceptable as possible. And this is something that I, I'm pretty sure I started doing as soon as I got here on this planet. And I think a lot of us do, probably most, if not all of us do, try to find ways to be as acceptable as possible. And that usually means dimming your light ever so slightly all the time. It means not standing out. It means not standing up. And it means being fearful. And that is not to my knowledge in my experience there's no one stop fix for this and it's not something that like you know you you get it figured out at one point in your life and then you never have to think about it again for me it's the sort of thing that i have to return to literally every single moment of every single day being like i deserve to exist I deserve to have whatever opinion it is that I have and I deserve to let that shine out from inside of me. And so this is a little bit like 
esoteric. So to be more practical, like what that'll look like is I'm going to wear the outfit that I want to wear, regardless of what anyone else thinks of it, regardless of whether or not it's traditionally like flattering for my body type. Like I'm going to wear what I want. Um, On that same tip, I'm going to eat what I want. I'm going to pay attention to what makes my body feel good. I'm going to like actually when I don't, when some, when I eat something, it doesn't make me feel good. I'm not going to eat that. But if it does make me feel good, I am going to eat it regardless of what anyone else thinks of that. I'm going to go places that I want to go. I'm going to talk to people that I want to talk to, or I'm going to, and this is really the key for me. I'm going to not talk to people that I don't want to talk to really understanding that I am nobody's victim that I am the hero of my own story and that it is my responsibility to stand up in that. That is how I try to show up for myself every day and just try to try to be the person that I want to be inspired by. But again, like, I don't think that this is the sort of thing that you can just be like, okay, I did it for 21 days and now I never have to worry about it again for the rest of my life. Or even I did it for 21 years and I don't have to worry about it for the rest of my life. Like the one constant in this life is change, that there's always going to be something evolving. You should hope that there should be something evolving. And so to just get okay with that and be like, okay, cool. There's going to be waves. Things are going to change. That's okay. And then go from that place and be like, I'm going to swim the way I want. I'm going to live the way that I want. I'm going to do what I want. That That's what it looks like for me. Yeah. It's, it's honestly epic because I think a lot of, a lot of people struggle with that. You know, there's yes. the side of things of looking after yourself first, putting your mask on first. And then there's the the action of showing up for yourself, which I think are two different things and can be confused. And so, you know, it's one thing to actually look after yourself. It's the other thing to actually charge yourself, light yourself up and, and really stand on your two feet and say, I am doing this. And I, I you know, constantly see this. But I think going back to your story, you're you've absolutely encapsulated what it stands for and so many people can just be inspired by that it's something that we all struggle to do whether it be like we don't have the time or we put ourselves second like how often Mm. do we put ourselves second third even fourth sometimes absolutely the most important person you can look after is yourself Mm -hmm. and you know i think you really just paved the pathway for that but you know at the end of the day it's like you're not conforming to anything you're doing exactly what you feel which i'm sure you still battle with to some extent sometimes absolutely Um, every single day (laughs) (laughs) because you're real (laughs) you're absolutely human you're absolutely human oh how how awesome so with that being said, I, I do love how you touched upon how it's not a 21-day thing. but and, and we just kind of talked about the reality of these things. Is there anything that you do to check yourself and you've done this? Mm. Like, you know, Is it following a mantra or is it just like a, something that mm-hmm. positive reinforcement? Uh, you know, I, I don't, it doesn't have to be too spiritual per se, but maybe it's something that's like, you know mm. what, actually, like any instances that you can kind of um, give an example of? Absolutely. Yeah. There's a couple different things. And one of them is this, like, it's kind of become a philosophy for me to some degree that like, it's just like a little checkpoint. I'll ask myself, how do I feel 
rather than asking, how do I look? So like the, the obvious example is like when I'm trying to decide what to wear, I will look in the mirror and look at how I look and be like, how do I feel right now? Am I feeling good? Does this feel good to me? Not how do I look? How do I look is based on the visual perception of me that other people are processing. So that if I'm asking, how do I look? I'm really asking, what does somebody else think of me? But if I say, how do I feel? I'm intuiting, I'm connecting to my gut. I'm saying, what is the right answer here? And that as a check helps me realign with myself and remember that like all that really matters is how I feel and what makes me feel good. And if it makes me feel good, then it looks good. That That's also the math is that if you feel good, you look good. So if I say, how do I feel? Then I always know. And then the other thing is when I am having a difficult time just like understanding understanding how I feel about something. It's actually having a hard conversation with myself about it. And the example that I usually use is like, okay, I don't know about you, but after I work out, like if I have a really hard workout after that, I'm trying to go ham on some food. Like I would like to eat pretty much everything in existence and or at a minimum, everything that I like. So when I go, let's say I'm at like the Whole Foods hot bar or whatever, I'm like putting food on my plate and I'm like, "Mm, let me get this, that and the other thing. And like, I'm like scooping up macaroni and cheese and I look over and I see that somebody is looking at me. Like they're, they're looking at what my food is. And my knee jerk reaction to that from grade school on is like, oh my God, I should not be eating this. This is a problem. I'm, I'm a bad person. Why am I getting macaroni and cheese? I should be eating more salad. Why didn't I get more salad? And so the check for me in this situation is to genuinely ask myself in the middle of the whole foods hot bar, say, do you want macaroni and cheese? Cause if you do, if you don't want it, don't eat it. Please don't eat it. Just you're good. But if you do want it, you should get it. Why do you think you shouldn't eat it? Is it because you think this person over here thinks that you shouldn't eat it? Maybe they want macaroni and cheese. Maybe you've inspired them to eat macaroni and cheese. Why are you projecting your emotions onto other people? Literally having a full-blown therapy session with myself at the Whole Foods Hop Bar or wherever the fuck this is happening. Because like, I think that sometimes the masquerading of emotions putting on you said the word mask earlier and I was just so I was like oh my goodness this is something I think about all the time how we all wear masks all the time we put on our mask and so so much of it is like an an unmasking and unveiling of the truth and it is scary to do that it's scary to take your mask off it's scary to look at the messiness and the problematicness and the trauma and the trouble that rests beneath the surface for all of us. But really all of that, all of that mess and muck and disaster, that is the texture of our lives. That's the reason that we're here. It's the whole, it's the reason for the season, as they say. And so just actually engaging with that and letting it be messy and letting it be there. That to me is how I'm able to like, just wade through the complexities of being human because it's just going to be that way. It's going to be that there are days where 
you question yourself and where you don't have the right answer. And, and there's going to be days where you get it dead wrong and it, it does not go well. Or there's going to be days where you take on the judgment and criticism of other people. And, and that's another piece also is understanding that. So I was referencing this person, this metaphorical person at the Whole Food Hot Bar who was curious about macaroni and cheese or not curious about macaroni and cheese. This person, when I'm projecting my emotions onto them, it's really important for me to remember that they're dealing with their own shit <laughs> that has nothing to do with me and that I don't need to be trying to involve myself emotionally in the experience of another human being. This happens a lot in yoga classes, actually. People talk about it all the time. It's like probably the number one thing that I hear people being afraid of is like that you're not going to do the poses right or that everyone in the room is going to know that you don't know what you're doing or like that um, or they're going to be offended by the fact that you would come to a class that you're not already a master in everything that's going to happen. And there's so much projection of emotion happening in that fear. And just knowing that the experience of another human being has nothing to do with me. And that even if, and this is really the linchpin for me, even if another person is judging me, is criticizing me, maybe they don't like what I'm doing, that really ultimately what they are doing is judging and criticizing and shaming themselves. It doesn't have anything to do with me. And so if I can step back from their experience and step into my own experience, I'm actually manifesting compassion for myself that that person can then feel and then they can practice compassion for themselves. So it's really like, I think probably I could more easily summarize what you asked into um, mind your business, drink your water, and don't worry about what other people are doing. That is, that's my philosophy, but it is hard work every day. <laughs> and I think I fuck it up and fail most of the time. So, so but it's human. all a path. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, thanks for sharing. That was um, truly incredible. And I don't think I could have had a better answer or response to the question. So I, I, <laughs> I, was, I just want, you know, I was just busy writing down notes as you were saying that. And I, I think there's so many different arms and legs we can kind of go on paths for from that, that, that whole paragraph, that moment that like, for me, for one, I'm always hungry. So you put me in a, a sweat <laughs> session afterwards, I'm going to be starving. I had a really good session with my mate this morning and we've just been on WhatsApp just telling each other how much we're eating straight afterwards. <laughs> Shout out to you, AB. I know we're both pretty starving. But <laughs> I, I, I totally just love the example you gave, particularly around the judgment of food. And I, I it is a common thing. Like I just – I'm a chef. I see it. I'm obviously in the health space and that's what my brand is all about. But most importantly, it's about feeling great and the serotonin endorphin rush you get from things that you love. And I, I, you know, contrasting to eating mac and cheese, like if you're having salad and salad, you know, salads can be epic. You know, we choose the right salad, you know, oh maybe, oh maybe uh, you need to get a couple of recipes from my website that inspires you. Yeah. But, but it's one of those things that's like mac and cheese, nostalgic, taste epic it's pasta and you know for all our non-vegans out there it's got cheese in it for all our vegans out there there's always the cashew-based cream cheese traditional yeast it's, get it girl but th that's the thing like i find that when you are people going through those processes they commonly 
put aside how they truly feel mm. and put themselves second to kind of mm. go, what do I actually want? Oh, I'm concerned about what other people will think of me. So mm. I'm going to do this. And, I, I, you know, whether it be from a previous, you know, uh, scenario that's really triggered them, I just love how you use that as a genuine example and we're not perfect but that is like mm-hmm. you know what i want that mac and cheese i'm gonna fucking have that mac and cheese because that's how i feel <laughs> you know it's something that has been so interesting to me uh, as i've gotten older is seeing like just how much my body reacts to different things like when i was younger i could do and eat like anything and now if i step the wrong way towards some some kind of food my <laughs> body is like we are not here i'm not here for this so um it's been really interesting to me to see how body acceptance has actually really facilitated me having a more intentional relationship with food and with the the way that I feel my body. But it has only come through acceptance and not judgment. And I think that sometimes like thinking about what you eat can get so tied to like what other people think of you and what you look like and like fear of looking different or fear of being judged. And at this point, I kind of feel like what you eat and how you uh, how you move your body has way more to do with just overall maintenance. And like, it's like how you would take care of your house or your car or your clothes or whatever. Like, your body is the most expensive belonging that you own. And so just like, caring for it is not political. It's literally just like, what is going to make my body feel good so that like, uh, plant-based macaroni and cheese gets more interesting, not because it's like what anyone else thinks about it. It's literally just like, can my body move this literally and figuratively? So I feel you. That's awesome, dude. That is so cool. I'm also just salivating. I'm hungry again. (laughs) I'm thinking about the mac and cheese that I'm going to be definitely devouring at some point the next, uh, hour. So, um, so good, but yeah. And, and, let's let's talk about is looking versus feeling and i I just kind of want to build a scenario for people to kind of um, visualize as they're either you know walking to work they're at work or in their car i'm just i'm I'm interested to everyone to kind of look inside themselves and how often you've put an outfit on and just like either think you look good but you don't feel great or you know you're just in this position of like oh should I and then you ask your friends which is totally acceptable by the way mm. um, dudes do it I I should probably do it more to be honest I need to check on my my guys to make sure I'm actually acceptable when I go out to dinner I apologize to my girlfriend about that but when it comes to these kind of things that the understanding of looking versus feeling you have to feel great They're, like if you go out or if you're in any situation I'm definitely using. I'm definitely using um, what you wear right now as a, as a great example. It's like if you don't feel great in who you are and what you're wearing and, and that extends to like the the state of mind you're at the time, how are you going to be, you know, ultimately looking great? Because you can't – you don't have the right body image for yourself. You're not looking confident. You're not – you know, and, and that extends to everything that you do. If you don't feel great in what you are doing, you're not giving the best of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I just – I think that is such a – powerful note I took from what you said earlier Mm. and in then in turn manifesting compassion for the person who judged you because Mm. then they can look inside themselves and go well hang on you know if if they if if you know 
Dan is looking like this and I questioned it initially, but maybe I should be looking at why I'm questioning him because maybe that's something that I don't question. Maybe I'm not feeling great myself. And so I'm judging someone else about it. Is that, is that what it is? So I, I think it's, you. I love it. You're almost teaching people by actioning who are judging you, which in turn teach them to think inside themselves, which is a, a very interesting triangle. So uh, yeah, once again, you are winning uh, across the board with the community. The, um, the, one of the things you've touched on a lot, you talk about acceptance uh, you talk about owning your negative Nancy and just like you said in a podcast uh, and you say accepting the negative feelings about your negative Nancy. So about your, your herself. Mm. So I, I, I love this because everyone has that negative thought inside their head at some point of their, you know, year, week, month, day, seconds, whatever it is, the doubt, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the feelings of like, you're a, you're a false, what's the term when someone says that's, um, oh, it's a phrase when you're, I've forgotten the name, phrase of it, but you, you feel like you're, oh, you're imposter syndrome. That's it. Imposter syndrome. Oh, mm-hmm. like, how often do people get imposter syndrome? And then they re- realize that, oh, actually, I actually know what I'm doing here. So like, mm. even those kind of things, like, I feel like your negative Nancy is always around. Um, I'm going to call mm-hmm. him. I'm going to call my dude Ned. Um, he's negative <laughs> Ned. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But yeah. So just just talk us through that acceptance and when you when you like how you resolve that. I know you've talked about your your action steps before, but how real is is Nancy and Ned? Mm. Pretty real. I think that Nancy is pretty real. Uh, Nancy, Ned, yeah, it's definitely. I feel like there's like a gender fluid somebody. I don't know, Neil maybe mm. who who is like my Nelly? negative can person. Nelly, yeah, absolutely. I think I think all these people can be gender queer. Honestly, anyway, the point is, <laughs> whoever it is, the person, the being inside who's negative. First of all, welcome to the table. I think mm. that to me is like that has been such a spiritually healing thing, being able able to say like it's okay for me to not be in a good mood that is okay I don't have to be happy all the time like I don't have to only feel the like good emotions I can feel the bad emotions too and maybe actually the bad emotions are good maybe there's no such thing as bad or good. Maybe it's all just supposed to be there. And the trick of it for me, and really the reason why for me, because I know that like positivity is so um, inviting and like you want to just feel good, like feel the happy feelings all the time, or you want to smell, you want to uh, look on the bright side all the time. But the bright side isn't really that bright without the darkness. The good is not as good without the bad. The sour has to be there in order for the sweetness to be there. And really fundamentally understanding that like a rose, for example, while it is beautiful and it is so lovely to look at, the smell of a rose is very complex. It does not always smell good. At some points it smells like dank and musty, like unctuous. It's like not a good, there are undertones to it that are not pleasant, but those undertones bring out the sweetness. They make it more clear, the beauty of it. And that's how I think of accepting negative Nancy Neal, Ned, is really getting that if I can experience 
the full depth and weight of the sadness and the hardness, then I am that much more capable of experiencing the beautiful brightness, the brilliance. And uh, that is not like, I don't, I don't think that any of this is really that fun. I don't really think this is about having fun. It's just about being and accepting and letting, letting it all hang out. And I think that um, it can be scary sometimes too, to really like let yourself be negative, but there's always, there's a great Dolly Parton song. Oh my goodness. It's called um, light of a clear blue morning. And she talks about this. She literally wrote the song while she was going through some shit. And if you're curious about it, you should definitely listen to the podcast, Dolly Parton's America. They go into more detail about this, but she taught in the song, she's talking about how like, it's been a long, hard fight. It's been a long, dark night. But because of that, I can see the light of a clear blue morning. So to experience the darkness, the negativity, that is the, that's an important step in experiencing the beauty in life. That's huge. Uh, that is, I love the fact how you use it as a, a platform to show greatness in the sense that if you do accept that side of it, it makes all the great things all the more amazing. And I also want to note that fellas listening in, this does not mean that you just should not get roses for your ladies. Just be really well planned about it so you don't have to do it all the time on Valentine's Day when it's 10x the price. Hot tip. Also, all flowers are great, not just roses. Yeah. So many different ways to do a bouquet, you know? Yeah, still learning that one. Um, but, you know, <laughs> the, guy, the guy on Spring Street is a great man. He puts together a beautiful bouquet. Um, <laughs> thank God for him. <laughs> So this is awesome. And I, I think it's something that's pretty relevant uh, across us all. And I, I even like, I don't know, I, I sometimes think that we don't embrace those good times as well as much as accepting the bad times, like, you know, mm -hmm. or accepting that negative person. Like how often we get a promotion or we just, you know, complete a, a uh, yoga maneuver that uh, this is a personal actually. I did, oh, is it a, is it a, crow what's the pose where you got oh, yeah. your you, you, that is that right is that is that what well, i did well, describe tell, tell okay so yeah. i'm on my two hands my knees are tucked Death. onto my crow. elbows Absolutely. crow yes yeah, yeah. that was that <laughs> was perfect feeling right i did this about yeah. i was in tampa bay about it was crow is such a dude ago. yoga pose dude like <laughs> all men love crow pose. it's because y'all have incredible upper body strength anyway please this is I, this is my like <laughs> My yoga sociology moment, please. Continue. I love it. I love it. It is such a dude thing, isn't it? Because then you it go is. into the one where you kick your feet. I don't know what that is. Like, is it what's the one where you kick your feet back out and go back into? Uh, oh, chaturanga. Like you, yeah. like if you go back. Yeah, that is like deep, dude. Of like a more like femme of center, I think is like a hip opener, like something that's like very emotionally evocative. But y'all love a crow pose. I love that. Please continue. Isn't that funny? I, yes, pick, I pick a pose that is such a dude thing. I'm like, yeah, I owned it. I'm like, I feel good about this because that's like it's such a guy thing. All my, <laughs> all my boys love it. Y'all love it. And I love it too. It's, it's awesome. But like y'all love it. 
Oh, man. What other, well, actually, just while we're on the topic, what other guy poses are there just out there? Mm, out of curiosity? Definitely handstand. Anything that's like, this is so fucking sexist. This is my, this is Jasmine's opinion. Please not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think definitely like anything that involves a lot of like upper body strength or core strength, anything that's really like a, I handstand and crow pose are definitely my like go to po- postures that are like boy poses yeah <laughs> but but that's only because yeah we're not we're not saying that girls okay to be honest i there was like i think there was about 60 people it was a big class there's like 60 people in this class and <clears throat> i felt extreme i didn't feel intimidated but i'm like i'm walking there going i'm really I, my flexibility is so poor and i'm mm. you know classic you know rugby kind of dude oh yeah so like <laughs> rock in there <laughs> and so like everyone's been here i'm like the first time in this class this is a regular class for people in tampa bay and uh yeah they all crushed it so like there was a lot of people doing crow poses um probably more lovely ladies than men to be honest so just shows but yes i just think it's ironic that as soon as I said that, you were just like classic guy. <laughs> totally. But also like not classic rugby boy. What's your – okay, so I lived in the women's rugby house in college. Oh, I did awesome. not play rugby. I was a rugger hugger just to awesome. be really clear. Okay, cool. But I'm curious like what your position is in rugby because I don't feel like – like depending on what position you play, I wouldn't necessarily think of that as being – the go-to move. Maybe we talk about this later. I don't no, know. no, let's talk about like, it. So like, yeah. This is good. Uh, so I was a scrum half and a flanker. Oh, yes, I was a bit absolutely. tall for. I was a bit totally. tall for a scrum half, but tiny or small for a flanker. It's like a, I was an odd shape, but I used to get to the breakdowns first. I used to, you know, effectively pilfer, um, and then mm-hmm. there would be no half back to dish the ball off. But um, anyway, that's uh, it was. It, it's it's such a good. It's such a like. I'm so stoked to. Have, grown up with it but um mm. it's very interesting to now like see even in sports we're seeing a lot of yoga or actually in every sport i know there's like mm-hmm. pilates or yoga both for the totally. male and female teams is being used because of how important it is um Absolutely. but yeah i tell you what flexibility i need to work on it that's uh mm-hmm. definitely my my weakness <laughs> so right. i'll continue to look all at your things. all the things i'll continue to look at your awesome videos and um just actually action it as you said actually showing up for myself so i'll, I'll be doing that <laughs> totally. totally um so one of the cool things that i definitely heard you say and i think this is epic like i, I think it's really really cool you say you have said sorry the way we treat ourselves in private it is mm. most noticeable so mm. i think that's powerful and oh so true because when you are when you are on your own it is when you truly do have you know that more more time to think maybe that negative individual does come out inside you but also to to kind of add further you know flame to that it's also the time when you can start questioning yourself mm. so i think it's a and it's also the you know, contrasting it's a time for you to actually reflect so I, i'd love to kind of dive here i think this is a really powerful point and and kind of hear your thought process around why the way we treat ourselves in private it is most noticeable you know i think that we discount the way that we speak to ourselves in general. We don't recognize like just how powerful the word is in the four agreements, which is like one of my most sacred texts, Don Miguel Ruiz. I cannot recommend this book enough. Um, One of the four agreements is all about like being impeccable with your word and knowing just how 
important it is, the things that you say and like how that is your most powerful magic. And so the things that you say to yourself would then be the most powerful magic, more powerful than anything that you say to another human being. And that the things that you say to yourself in private are how you're practicing communicating with other people too. So that just to be crass about it, if you talk shit about yourself in private, you are only going to talk shit about yourself in public and you're only ever going to be talking shit about other people. And you're only ever going to be making space for that kind of energy around you. And it is particularly powerful because of the impact that each of us has in our daily lives. It doesn't even matter what you do, who you interact with is irrelevant because you have impact. There are people who look to you every single day for your reactions and judge themselves based off of how you behave. So that if you are really negative and are putting forth like really hateful energy toward yourself, that's all you're going to be surrounded by. And so just noticing that, and it doesn't mean veering toward toxic positivity because often there's plenty to be negative about in this life. I think we're all pretty familiar with the, the darker side of seers, I guess. But for me, like really just understanding that if I can be kind and loving toward myself, I am making space for that level of energy, that kind of energy in the other parts of my life as well. And I think it is particularly powerful when we think about our children and how ultimately they're just going to do whatever we do. So if you are being negative about yourself and talking shit about yourself, you're telling your children or anyone younger who's around you that that's how they should talk about themselves. And then they are going to carry that into all of the things that they do. And then that's how we end up with generations of people who hate themselves is because we're not taking responsibility for it on an individual level. And I think that um, this is, it's particularly interesting to me in the fitness industry, actually, because this comes up a lot. Like uh, trainers will want to know, you know, how can I be more inclusive? How can I make spaces where, you know, all kinds of clients want to come and want to participate? Like, how can I make a space where it's for everybody? And I always think that the most important thing that you can do is to look at how you talk to yourself. It's not about how you market yourself. It's not about how you, who you want to attract or anything like that. It's like, how do you speak to yourself? And if you are hateful toward, your, toward yourself, is that that's how you're going to be toward your clients as well. You're going to be hateful toward them, especially if they remind you of the pieces of yourself that you don't like. So just like taking responsibility for that. And this is not like a I've said this so many times, but like, it's not a one quick fix or like, you know, you do it once and then it's all together. It's like, you have to return to it constantly, literally every single day. But I think that the power of the word is beyond words. And it's something that we can all take responsibility for on a person by person basis. Yeah, so everybody will be completely different. I totally, you know, can understand that. I also, you know, love the the reference, particularly the fit, fitness industry, around how we we do respond. Like, I, I can't tell you just on a you know 
what I've seen as an example working in the fitness industry myself is if you aren't if you are not in a space to be you know really giving your client their all it's like it's particularly in that industry these times of days for clients it's their time to either relax or get something done by someone they can just get told to do and learn from so if the individual is not there open-minded and really set for themselves it's going to have an impact on the service they provide and Mm. that's not just the fitness industry that's everything so i think you know coming back to what we were talking about earlier it's it does really talk about this showing up for yourself and i think that's um that's probably been one of the underlying things in this discussion is how often we we don't realize that we're really affecting ourselves and not doing so mhm that's exactly right that is exactly right and so you know speaking of showing up for ourselves how are you my friend, going to be showing up for yourself for the rest of the year? What, what do we got planned? What do we have planned? Oh, my goodness. The way that I'm showing up for myself this year, and I hope for every, if I'm blessed to live many years, for every year after this, is to just fully experience the joy of this moment. There have been so many things that have happened to me over the last couple of years where it's just like, whoa, fuck, that is a lot. There is a lot going on. This is not great this sucks. This is bad. And so that feeling of like, this sucks, this is bad, has made me recognize more when the joy is there, when the beauty is there, and that actually the joy is there all the time. And that there's always a smile. This is one of the most annoying things about yoga. And follow me here. But like, sometimes I'll be practicing yoga. And when I start, I'll be in a really bad mood. And then at some point during the practice, in some posture, I'll realize that in order to reach my fullest version of the pose, I have to smile because it literally like I have to open my face that much in order to like really get it and the fact that that it's so annoying it's literally just like like strengthening your core like opening your hamstrings or whatever it's like I have to smile and finding that smile buried beneath all of the sadness is like so gratifying because I'm like wait there was a smile there the whole time even in this shit there was the smile so like that's my that's how I'm showing up for myself this year is to really just find the smile enjoy live in the abundance of this moment and like just love this life because it's you know it's it's here for today not necessarily for tomorrow I love the power of the smile I think one of the biggest learning experiences I had was when taking photos of food, photographers are like, smile. And this is early on. And I'm like, oh. but you can't see you can't see my face. And they're like, yeah, but the food, the food looks better when you smile. And it's like, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so everyone listening in now, whenever you see a photo of just the food in my hands, I'm actually smiling. So hopefully oh, the food looks God. happier as well. Apparently oh, it's a thing. God, I'm going to tell my other partner is a chef and I'm totally going to tell them that. That yeah. like when they're holding their plates that like that is so crucial. I love that. Isn't it crazy? It's yes. just, uh, but that's that's honestly the the power of this. Like just smile brings up so much elation and I do love how unlocking a certain pose was like almost like a moment for you to truly, <clears throat> you know, accelerate that. And like there's been moments when I've been I think I've been in moments myself, even at the gym, where I'm like, oh, this isn't just, I need to be doing something else. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I do one lift or, you know, mm. I, I accomplish something. I'm like, no, nah, 
I'm here. Fuck it. I've got yes. this. Oh my God. Literally. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, <laughs> totally. it's, it's so funny. Like, I think that's one of the coolest things about giving that time of day to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And like, uh, you know, we talk about the showing up for myself, like me smashing a, a hit session that I programmed or whatever is exactly, it's exactly that showing up for myself moment. But sometimes I'm in, like, I get to a session like anybody. I'm just like, I've, I've got so much going on. Do I really need to be here? And then when I'm oh, in the session and I'm like, you know, hard yakka, I'm like, I fucking love this. It's exactly. <laughs> totally. You know oh I mean? my God. I know this feeling so much, especially if you're like, okay, look, I'm only doing it for this number of minutes. I'd be like, I'm doing it for 20, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And that's it. And then like, this always happens to me on the Stairmaster where I'll be like, <laughs> yes. well, I mean, damn, like now I'm here. Like now that I'm here, I want to get the most that I can out of it. And like, especially if you start mentally working through something that has been a really difficult thing to work through. And I'm just like, you know what? All this energy that I'm taking obsessing over this thing, I could just be obsessing over the details of this workout. And then before you know it, it's just like all this time has passed and it's like 15 minutes. What was going to happen? I feel you. That's what I'm saying. 100%. Acceptance. And speaking of that, yoga, like it's your your thing, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. one of your things, but Mm -hmm. yoke, my yoga of self-acceptance, incredible, right? Like I, this is your second book, yeah? Mm-hmm. So how yes. did this? How did this one, upon like reflection to you, how did this one feel writing compared to mm. the uh, like the first one? Oh, this book Yoke was so hard to write. I think it was harder, definitely harder than my first book, Everybody Yoga. And but I knew when I was writing Everybody Yoga that I was going to have to write Yoke because Everybody Yoga is really like an introduction to yoga. Mm. But I knew that there's so much about practicing yoga that does not fit on a yoga mat and really is not about yoga postures or meditation even at all. It's really about accepting all these hard parts of yourself. And for me, that means accepting my internalized slut shaming, accepting my internalized um, anti-blackness. It's about accepting that I'm a capitalist and the role that money plays in my life. And all of that is really unpleasant muck to wade through, or at least it was for me. And the process of writing it down was very much like I had this thing, and this is now like a whole process for me with writing. It's like, just tell the truth. You know, don't try to make it sound good. Just tell the truth. And that process of telling the truth is like, there's a little bit of shame with it because there's like, like, oh, is that not quite right? Like I'm using flowery language. I'm trying to make it sound pretty. No, just tell the truth. Even when it makes you sound bad, just tell the truth. So that part of it I found to be very difficult, but also extremely cathartic and cleansing and really like exactly what I needed in order to live my practice. And in so many ways, practicing rewriting yoke was an incredible practice of yoga for me. But there was also this piece of it. um, And you know, this with like any kind of project where there's just the research piece. And I did I spent a solid year on research for yoke, a year of research that doesn't actually show up in the text. Like it's, you're not going to find citations and things like that, but like just actually doing that level of like looking and searching and doing it, not even for the book, but for myself, 
that piece was very complex, but also really heartening. And it feels so good to devote yourself to something. And I think that for anyone who's like working on a book or working on any kind of project, I feel like that is the best part of it. It's just the journey of it. And we get so fixated on the the after so that like, yes, there is this great thing where like, oh my God, I wrote a book, wrote another book and it's out in the world and people can engage with it and we can talk about it on this podcast. But the beauty of it really like the meat and potatoes of it, that was the the writing of it. And that part, even when it was hardest, was really beautiful. Yeah, especially being a memoir, right? Like it's a totally. real life memoir. It's raw. It's And it's about, <laughs> I guess it's, I think I was reading somewhere, it says there was like a, uh, it, you, like it's about a woman who does not fit the contemporary, like platonic ideal of a yogini. Was that right? Somewhere I read mm-hmm. that. It's just like. Mm-hmm. Totally. <clears throat> well, yeah, but why do we have to have a fixed you know, what is a contemporary Yogini? Like that, that that's the, I think that's what's so amazing about this book and that, and then you writing it, it would have been, it probably would have been emotional as you were like going Absolutely. through stages. And uh, I, I think I've, I've never written, written a memoir, but I've spoken to people who have, and they've said that in writing one, it is the most um, uplifting, but deep emotional um, breaking experience they've had. Because they, they're they're breaking down previous memories that they may have not that they may have locked in a box somewhere. But I'm excited yes. for the listeners to read, you know, yoke my yoga <laughs> of self acceptance, which I'm assuming everyone can get from any where they get their books, right? Anywhere the books are sold, and there's also a version on Audible that is narrated by yours truly. Wow, I have a rule. And if the author is the one recording the audiobook, that is a must. I'm going to go actually read that one. I'm going to get that one now. So yeah, I'm going to go straight to Audible. But um, Jess, I know we, uh, well, that's all the time we have for just today. So mm-hmm. I'm sure our paths will cross in the future. Yes. But I just want to say um, – as I said, you're epic. You're an absolute legend. Thank you for breaking stereotypes and providing us with real wisdom into how we can ultimately show up for ourselves and how important it is to do so. And ultimately, thank you for putting time aside to chat to me and be a part of the Apple Table with us. Dan, thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for the work that you do. And I'm just grateful to be in community. And I'll look forward to when our paths cross again. Yeah, yeah, I'm cooking you mac and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) You better.